You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. This week's sermon is taught by lead pastor Benjamin Emery. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see some of you uh, that I saw yesterday, and hopefully you're not too drained. You've got a little bit more energy uh, to dig into God's Word, and it's great to see some uh, new faces, faces I haven't seen in a while. It's just awesome to be together. You can open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. There's either one on your seat, um, or there's one behind your seat. That's page 1102. This is our last sermon in our uh, series on the end times, on what the Bible has to say about the end times. And there was so much I wasn't able uh, to preach about. If you have your study guides, a lot of the verses um, that I'll be preaching on are in there. So you can turn to that last chapter, chapter 8. But we've been on this series, and and just to give you an overview, we've learned that... uh, As the time of this world goes closer to the end, there will be a bunch of uh, signs uh, that will be letting us know that that time is coming closer and they will increase in frequency and intensity the closer it gets to the end of this world as we know it. There will be earthquakes and and famines and and fires and uh, wars and rumors of wars and uh, false prophets and false messiahs and and sneaky preachers who who are uh, in to twist God's word and 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 pull the wool over people's eyes and and the the world will grow desperately more uh, wanting one person to fix the problems of the world and um, as uh, the period right before the tribulation. Uh, comes up it will be the world will be in 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 turmoil and they will cry out for this leader and where the church will be well we dug into that uh, the church might possibly be taken out uh, called the rapture or the church might be there during this time then uh, in this uh, period when everyone is looking for this savior to come the Antichrist will rise up. This man will talk more smoothly than anyone. He will, he will have more influence than Elon Musk. He will, he will have uh, more power. He will be somebody that we're not expecting. He will not be rude and boastful at first. He will be smooth talking and very convincing. And he will look to unify uh, the Western world or the first world powers. And they will support him. Ten of them, ten nations will support him. But he will, as he consolidates his power, close his grips on them, his true colors will start to show. He will not be the a nice, uh, unifying person that everyone thought. And, and as he solidifies his power, he'll make more demands. But at that time, God will not be allowing him to, to carry out the things that he has planned. God will be pouring out uh, judgments on the earth. 21 of them we saw. And then somewhere in between, uh, in the middle period of that seven years, which he will have power over the earth, he will now no longer claim to be the leader, but he will claim to be the, the person, the Messiah, the, the fulfillment of all the religions. He will claim to be God. 
and war will break out on the earth against uh, him. And that will be the second half of the tribulation called the Great Tribulation. But nations, all the nations won't follow him. And we looked at how the Euphrates River will dry up and a great uh, hundred million man army will come across and fight him. And they will join together at this place called Megiddo for the Battle of Armageddon. And we looked at that just at the the point when it seems like uh, the Antichrist is winning and and he has dominion and power over uh, God's people and God's people will have been uh, chased throughout. Whoever these people are that the Bible says are the saints, they'll be chased throughout the world and some of them will have to have given their lives. And then in the sky, for the first time in 2,000 years, Christ will come back, touch down, on the Mount of Olives. And in his power, uh, God will defeat, Christ will defeat these armies. And that is where we picked up or left off last time. So let's just pray. Lord, as we complete this series, we've just brushed over. I pray that this would spark the interest of people to look more at what your word has to say about uh, this period, uh, this end of the world as we know it. It won't be the end, but it'll be the end of the world as we know it. Uh, for some, it will be terrifying, Lord, and for some, it will be the greatest moment of their lives. I pray for everyone in here that it would be the greatest moment of their lives when that happens because their Savior will have come to take them pray you would help me to speak clearly and concisely. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In 2017, four young ladies, went, uh, young adults, went to swim in New Zealand's Waikato River. The girls dove into their favorite spot. They had swam there many times before without any danger, they thought. But danger lurked. Uh, There was signs posted all over the place that a power station up the river every uh, now and again would release its uh, waters. The warning signs were posted on the banks and the siren would sound five minutes before the dams would open, giving the swimmers enough time to get out and escape. But the girls must have ignored the signs. Uh, though they heard the siren, neither did they, either did they gra- not grasp its meaning or they failed to realize the extent of the danger that they were in. And as the waters rose, the four lady- girls scrambled to a rock in the middle of the river, which was quickly being submerged under the rising torrent. A man who saw this happening edged out on a rock and called for the girls to dive in and he would grab them and pull them out. Three of the girls finally plunged in towards him and he pulled them out of the rushing water, but the fourth was too late. She couldn't reach safety and the flood waters swept her downriver to her death. Too late. Those might be the, some of the worst words in the human vocabulary. If you pick up your Bibles and turn to chapter 20, verse 4, we'll see that for some, this will be too late. Then I saw, verse 4, thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. 
And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus Christ and because of the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, who had not accepted the mark on his forehead or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come back until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests for God and for Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Touchdown happens, and Christ defeats the armies, and uh, those who, as we studied, uh, were persecuted, the Christians who were persecuted, and we know that in that period, that tribulation period, uh, there will be such uh, pressure put on everyone to conform, and not only conform, but to worship this antichrist, this figure. So much so that to pledge your allegiance, you'll have to get a mark on your forehead or on your wrist. Uh, We studied that most likely a chip containing probably your banking information, your identity, GPS trackers. All of this technology we looked at exists now. But to those who follow Christ, they will live in the underground They will be like the Jews were in the Second World War, existing in the shadows. God will look after them and provide for them, but some will give their lives for the testimony of Christ. And it says that when Christ defeats the armies, those who have given their lives for the sake of the gospel will rise up and rule with Christ for a thousand years. And now now in your manuals, if you've studied them, you'd see that there are different views on this. Uh, some would say that the thousand years, some Christians would say, they, they're called a post-millennialist. They would say that the thousand years actually started when Jesus uh, died. And, and it's been, uh, the world has been progressively getting better. Uh, that Christ, as the church has been spreading, that his gospel has been spreading, and that's Christ's reign, and, and that the world is actually getting better. And that was very popular in the 18th and 19th centuries when it looked like the world was getting better, when the missionaries were going out from Britain and Europe uh, to all the corners of the earth, and it looked like things were really getting better. And then the 20th century hit, and the greatest wars in our history happened. And so that is not a popular belief anymore just because of the state of the world. Then there are some called amillennialists who believe that that's just figurative language, that it isn't actually a, a literal thousand years, but that is figurative. And then there are others who believe that uh, this is, they're called uh, premillennialists. They believe that this will actually be a thousand year reign of Christ, completing a 7,000 year uh, time on earth. It will be a perfect reign. God will reign and show just how good of a ruler he is. We've tried the uh, kings of the earth. We've tried the prime ministers and presidents. And, uh, and I don't think many of us are really excited about this election. We look at the options and we're like, meh. And then people will have cried out to, the, to, to this antichrist, this perfect person who will promise them all the things that they want. And yet he will show himself to be a horrible leader so now jesus will lead and rule and at the end of this 
the judgment will happen. Judgment. Now, that's not a popular word. I realize that in Canada. Maybe some of you are like, oh, man, I wish I hadn't come today. I don't want to hear about judgment. It's not a nice word. And, 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 but yet it's there. It's in Scripture. It's there frequently talked about. And, and some people would kind of view Jesus in Canada or in the U.S. as, as kind of like a Santa Claus, right? He's, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Uh, but like Santa Claus, they expect Jesus will just give the bad kids presents too. Right? You ever notice that? You still got presents even though you were a rotten child? Well, that isn't going to be the way it is when Jesus comes back. The Bible calls the two judgments that will take place, the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. I'll get into those a little more in depth. But the Bible talks about it. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it was appointed for people once to die, and then after this, the judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may be repaid for what we, he has done in his body, whether good or evil. And Jesus said in John 5.28 Do not be amazed at this because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear the voice and come out and those who have done good things to the resurrection of life and those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of condemnation it says that uh, if we kept reading in revelation uh, verse 5 and on to 10 it talks about how at the end of the thousand years uh, christ will or the antichrist uh, sorry satan will be unleashed one more time and you might say why why one more time well, that is the uh, second most debated topic in eschatology, uh, next to where the church will be. Uh, those who believe it's a literal thousand years would say it's to see if the hearts of those who have been born during this thousand year reign, because the Bible speaks of people will be born, babies will be born under the kingship of Christ, to see if they're actually serious about their faith. To see if they're actually with Christ. You know, you can, you can be in something but not really be for something. You can be in a marriage and not really have your heart in the marriage. You can be a parent and not really have your heart in parenting. You can be a part of a church and not really have your heart in a church. So he will tempt and he will rise up once more, but he will be defeated, the Bible tells us says in verse 11, Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them, that is, Satan and those who follow him. The devil who has deceived them will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. And after that, it says in verse 11, And I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven were filled with his presence and no one was found for them. And no place was found for them. And also I saw the dead, great and small, standing there before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to its works by what was written in the books. And then the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades uh, gave up the dead who were in them. Each one was judged according to his work. 
death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Those are scary, harsh words. Uh, I don't like this. Uh, you don't like this, yet it is the way we are. But I am not God, and we are not God, and, and we often let things go that shouldn't be let go. Well, for all the times we've said, God, why do you allow that to happen? How come you allow those people to get away with that? How come all those atrocities are carried away? Well, those things will be accounted for now. At this, the great white throne judgment. But not only that, not only the murderers and rapists and incest, but also the liars and the thieves and those who blaspheme God's name and and those who reject him. All of us, every one of us, we know are guilty according to the Bible, according to God's standard. And books will be opened. Books. And there's a book of remembrance. Uh, There's a book um, of all the things we've said all the things we've done in secret, and there's also a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And this book will be opened, and if you have uh, received forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ, your name is in this book. And Jesus talks about this time because it is Jesus who will be the judge. Jesus, meek and mild, is now Jesus the judge, the king, the ruler. And we won't go up and slap him on the shoulder and say, well, you gave me a rough life, and so now I want into heaven. We will see him in a way that we have never seen him. Jesus said, all the nations will gather before him, and he will separate them one from one to the other. As the shepherd separates sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Matthew 25 Verse 32 and 33. And some religious people who who think they are followers of Christ, but whose hearts are wicked. You know, the religious hypocrites that we hear about that do atrocities that we've seen throughout history. uh, Those who are all about themselves, but not really about God. They will think, Jesus says in Matthew 7, 22, that they have a golden ticket. But Christ will say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, meaning evil. Those whose names are not written in the book, the Lamb's book of life, well, they will be judged according to the laws of the land, the Ten Commandments, and books will be open of their deeds, their lives, the things they've uttered, the things they've done in secret, everything will be in front of him. He will be, they will judge, he will judge them by the standard of the commandments. Let me ask you a few questions. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Have you ever, I don't know, told a lie? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, anybody know? You're probably lying even if you say you didn't. Right? Have you, uh, have you uh, ever worshipped anything besides the creator of the universe? Have you given worship to your cell phone, your money, you know, a person, a political leader, yourself? It's called idolatry. Have you ever used God's name as a swear word? I have. I have many times. 
before, right? Imagine if you heard somebody using your mother's name as a swear word or your spouse's name as a swear word or your child's name as a swear word. Would you be pretty happy about that if somebody walked around and go blankety blank blank your child's name? Have you ever uh, hated somebody in your heart? Jesus says that's murder. Have you ever stolen anything? I think if you were to, to really be honest, you would see that by the standards of God's laws, and you may say, I don't agree with God's laws, but it doesn't really matter if you agree with them or not, because God is God. Any more than it matters if you agree with the laws of this nation, you're still accountable to them. Then we all fail. And so it's not by good works that we will enter heaven, but by the free gift of salvation. It's a free gift. Anyone who wants forgiveness for their sins, anyone who can humble themselves can receive that. So those on the left will go into hell. And hell is a place, it's, it's not like we think in the movies with pitchforks and devils running around and, and, and fire and, and scary caves. Or it's not like some of the books say where everyone's getting drunk and having a big party and it's where all the fun people are. It's neither of those things. It is the place where none of the goodness of Christ is. It's a, the place where all the things that, that we, the temptations that we give ourselves into here, you'll find no relief for those temptations there. It will be the place where there is no good, where all the things, the evil things that have been done will be dealt with. It is not a fun place. And it is not where I, nor Christ, says he wants any of you to go. For he says he desires all to come to faith and salvation in him. But then the Christians, those who by faith receive Christ, will go to a different place. Before another judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And, and again, I want you to picture it. This is a Jesus whose eyes are like fire, uh, whose, whose feet are like uh, bronze, whose, whose words are like a double-edged sword. This is a, a Jesus, the warrior Jesus, that we will stand before. And, and I don't picture myself standing up to God. I picture myself coming in and, and kneeling and and. and casting myself before him because he is so great and awesome and mighty. Think of John. John, remember the apostle who probably knew Jesus the best while he was on earth. The one who it says at the last dinner uh, put his head on Jesus' bosom. The one that was uh, taken to all the special things that, that Jesus had like the, the, the three when he would take the three away. This John, he says that when he saw the Jesus, the Jesus that we will someday see, he said, I fell as a person who was dead. I fell before him as if I was dead. That is the Christ that we will go and stand before. And then we will give an account of what we have done with our faith, with our life, with the things that God has given us, with our time, talents, and treasures, with our free gift. I'll read it. Uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 to 15. He says, According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one, and he's talking about this judgment seat of Christ, but each one must be careful how he builds on it. That's how, what we do with our life after we come to faith. 
The foundation is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on this foundation with gold, with silver, with costly stones, with wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it. Because of it, it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. For anyone's work that is built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will experience a loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. If you picture it, I, I was picturing it in my mind. Imagine a, a large fire and, and your life is put on the fire. Like on a grate, you know that you would put over a, a fire, outside fire, and you'd cook your hot dogs and hamburgers. Like a grate of that. And, and your life is put on it. And the trivial things that are like don't really matter, like your tennis score and your RSPs and you know the things that you watched on Netflix, like those things, the things that don't really matter will burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that mattered, the kind things you did for other people, uh, the, the work you did for God's kingdom, the gospel that you shared, the, the money that you gave uh, to help people, so on and so forth, the things done in secret, those things will be like gold, silver, and precious stones, which do not burn up in the fire. This will allow you to see the sum total of your life, what you did with the gift that God gave you. And he says that you will receive rewards and loss, but not lose your salvation. Why? Because that's a free gift. So that will be there. That will not be burned up. For some who did only to get, well, those things will be burned up too. But to those who did out of love, those who did because they wanted to, those who did because they cared, well, they will receive reward. And the Bible talks about that. I've given you lots of references to these crowns that we will have. We will work on earth for Christ. We build his kingdom. We share his message. We participate in caring for the vulnerable we reach out to those who are scary, like we talked about yesterday. We stand up for the rights of, of those who are innocent. We do it for love's sake. And yes, we will receive rewards. You know, as I was there at the, the conference yesterday, it was really great. And, and as, as people were praying in groups after each sermon, uh, we would pray about the, the subject. And I watched people, and I, and I looked over, and, and I saw this, this man emptying garbage cans. And, and there he was working while everyone was having a great time. He was working hard, and, and, I, and I watched this man as he worked and did a job that nobody else wanted to do. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit uh, say to me, that man is doing great things for me and that man was Don our caretaker a man who loves Christ and who who serves and never asks for any sort of recognition and and one might think because I preach three sermons that I'll get better rewards than Don but oh no that's not the way it is in God's kingdom uh, God will say I'm proud equally of you Don for the work you have done doing the jobs that nobody wants to do that is the God that we serve he doesn't care about glitz and glamour he cares about the heart. So what are you chasing after? There's an old parable I heard once and I, and I found it again. Uh, it goes like this. The parable of the swan and the crane. A beautiful swan 
aligned on the banks of the water in which the crane was waddling about seeking after snails. For a few moments, the crane viewed the swan with stupid wonder and then inquired, where are you from? I come from heaven, replied the swan. And where is heaven, required the, er, said the crane. Heaven, said the swan. Heaven? Have you never heard of heaven? The beautiful bird went on to describe the uh, grandeur of the uh, eternal city. The streets were filled with gold and the gates and the walls were made with precious stones and the river of life as pure as a crystal upon whose banks is the tree whose leaves shall be the healing of the nations, he says. In eloquent terms, the swan sought to describe the host who will live in this other world, but without arousing even the slightest interest on the part of the crane. Finally, the crane asked, will there be snails there? Snails, said the swan. No, of course not. Then, said the crane, as he continued to search along the slimy banks of the pool, you can have your heaven. All I want is snails. God offers us so much, Christians. So much. And how many of us have heard of of people who have uh, turned away the riches of serving the king and and knowing him and investing in his kingdom for snails? And and how many men have we seen uh, who will uh, sacrifice his wife and his family and his honor and his duty, all this for snails? And how many women will sacrifice their husband and their children and their beauty and, and their purity in search of snails how many canadians are trading the riches of heaven for the riches of earth that moth and rust will destroy and they will leave to someone else i was uh i've been following um many of you have heard of john piper he's a very famous preacher, theologian. Well, he has a son. Uh, he has uh, four sons. Uh, and his one son, Abraham Piper, I, I, I've watched as this man has, this young man has self-destructed. And, and, and I watched a video of him when he was uh, in his late teens and, and talking about his dad. And, and, and he was, uh, seemed to be a different young man then. But something got a hold of him. Something of the world. And, and now he makes it his mission on TikTok uh, to, to just slam his father and slam the Christian faith. And, and all of this for popularity and for money. Just so bitter and angry. Trading his eternity for snails heartbreaking but it's never too late that's the great thing it doesn't matter what age you are right now jesus says in matthew 6 20 store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is your heart will also be and then there is Heaven. After that, it's heaven. After that, there's no more evil. There's no more sadness. There's no more heartache. This place called Utopia. 
You've maybe heard of that word, utopia. It was coined by a man 500 years ago named Thomas More. And we've come to think of it, you know, the communist movement say we're going to build this utopia on earth, meaning this perfect place. All we need to do is take away your stuff, take away your power, and take away your God, and you just worship and let us do it. And that always works out really well. But utopia is a place that cannot exist on this earth. Let me read a little bit about it. You can follow along in uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. See, see there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The old earth, which has been... Uh, bashed and, and corrupted by sin, the, the, the old earth that is crying out for the Christ to come back, that will be no more, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Wherever heaven is now, it's like, a, it's like a heaven for now. It will be different when Christ comes back. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling place is with humanity and he will live with them and they will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. At first, uh, God came to earth, to our corrupted earth and lived with us. Now we will go to his place that he has prepared and he will be our God. What does that look like? Well, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. No more grief or crying and the pain of will be no more because the previous things will have passed away. All the things that we dislike about this earth will be no more. And all the things that are great about this earth, the love and and the sacrifice and the care that we have for each other, that will be magnified a million times over. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. You will be new. You will get a new body. It will be a perfect body. Write these words down. They are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I freely give to the thirsty from the spring of of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowards, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars will share with, their share will be in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And then it goes on in verse 9 to talk about what this heaven will look like. And, and you can read about it uh, throughout those verses on your own. But to sum it up, what will it look like? It gives dimensions. And, and a man named Randy Acorn, uh, Elkhorn, in his book called Heaven, he, he sort of mapped out those dimensions in our modern day uh, measuring system and he says it will be 40 times larger this is the city the new jerusalem 40 times bigger than england 15 times or 15,000 times bigger than london it will be 10 times as big as france or germany and far larger than india but that's just the ground level he says and if each story were to have a generous 12 foot high ceiling the city would be 600,000 stories tall and if we're to have 
these different levels, billions of people could occupy New Jerusalem and have square miles each to themselves. I hope I'm not on the top floor. But then I could probably jump off because I have a new body and just land on the bottom floor. That'd be pretty cool. Then go to verse 22, or chapter 22. I'll just read a a little bit of what, what it's like in that city. Verse 1, then he showed me a river, river of water of life, clear as a crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street, the tree of life. That's the tree that was in the Garden of Eden. That's the tree that gives immortality. That's the tree that Adam and Eve ate from. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree on it are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will, know not, will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever. Do you ever feel like you don't have a place in this earth? Like like you're missing something? Like like you're just not being who all you were meant to be or you feel alone or nobody understands you? That will be no more. His name will be written on your forehead. You will be his. You will feel loved in a way that you'll never, ever, no matter how great your parents are, no matter how wonderful your spouse has been on this earth, it won't compare to the love that he'll have you then verse 7 he says look i am coming again blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy verse 12 look i am coming again and my reward is with me and i will repay each person according to his work i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end verse 17 both the spirit and the bride say come let anyone who hears come let anyone who thirsts come Let anyone who desires to take the water of life freely. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. The older I get, the more I look forward to it. The more the things of this world seem dull. I will be with God. I'll be with his believers. And there'll be no more animosity. There'll be no more trivial things that will get into the way of our relationships. I will see Paul and Peter and, and Whitcliffe and, and Martin and, and Jackie Plunger and all the great Christians of the past. And I will see rich and poor. And no more race. There will be none of the things that get in the way of our relationships. It will be perfect. And I look forward to that the older I get. What about you? Are you looking forward to that? Is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Have you received forgiveness for free and put your faith in Jesus Christ? I hope so. I want that for you. I want to see you there. I want to get to know you there in a perfect way. Over the last eight sermons, we've had just a glimpse of what is to come. These set of events that will take place will be like on anything we have ever seen. Are you ready? Are you ready if you were to be that generation who lived through it? But are you ready for what might come down the road? Because there are no promises about an easy life. 
when we were preparing for war, we did something called workup training. It's where this period of time right before we go to war that they push us hard. They push us in fitness and in tactics and in weapon handling and in first aid and unarmed combat and depending on each other as a unit. We live together 24 hours a day to simulate what it will be like over there. During that time, uh, they brought in a, a very well-known speaker at the time and still very well-known and renowned author, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, he wrote this book uh, on combat and another book that is very well known on killing. He is a psychologist and a veteran uh, who studied the psychology of killing in war. And he came and lectured to us for a day in Minnesota on the effects and getting ready for the reality that you might have to kill. And and I, I listened to his lecture, and he, I assume he gave the same one because I remembered it online, and you can listen to his lectures too. And he, and he said, you're going through this to prepare for you for what is to come. You must accept the reality that some of you will die and that some of you will have to take lives. Do this. Prepare now. Get this into your mind and do what you can now and then let God decide the rest where the bullets may fall. Many of us Christians who have lived in the last 70 years have had a relatively easy life. That changed 18 months ago. It rocked a lot of people's worlds. Fear of death, isolation. I've watched Christians, Christians, brothers and sisters, who will spend eternity fracture and break fellowship over vaccines. And I say, really? Really? Well, church, the challenges we've gone through the last 18 months, I hope things get better. But they may just be a warm-up. They may just be work-up training for other things that may come. So now is the time to prepare yourself. Now is the time to solidify your faith, to really seek after Christ, so that if put in that period of time or hardships, you don't fold and fall apart. That's what I'm praying for us as a church, that we would really get eternity stamped on our eyeballs and really become a group of people who love and care about each other, so that if the world said, we want nothing to do with you, at least we would have each other. That's my prayer. I'm going to, I just have a song that will hopefully spark an interest in you. We're going to play it and then I'm going to invite Dustin to come up and uh, lead us in communion. Can we play that song? Thank you. Well, now we're going to join together um, in Christ's memorial meal. Uh, the, the thing that made that makes everything in the last eight sermons possible. Um, the cross. The cross was God's plan for how Jesus would get the throne of David, how he will be judge of all the earth, and how he will heal the nations. I'm going to read um, a few verses from 1 Corinthians 11. <clears throat> and I just wanted to say, if you are trusting Jesus as your Savior, and if you're following him as your Lord, then this is for you to remember. This is for you to enjoy and participate in, but if you are not at that place, then please just observe this morning. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty two 
For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll partake together. God, I just I thank you for the paradox of the broken healer of the nations uh, that you had to break, and you were the most broken man there ever was, carrying the sins of a multitude, and yet you make us whole. Um, I just thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your full manhood of protecting your people, saving your bride, and um, we remember together this morning uh, your great sacrifice. Amen. Let's eat together. things are dry. Um, Then in the next verse, carrying on, it says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper. So they had a whole meal of it, right? Not just a a little wafer there. This is a meal to remember usually. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so um, let's pray and then partake of that together in remembrance of him. And Jesus, we thank you for shedding your blood, the blood of the new covenant, the blood of the eternal covenant. As Ben pointed out, when our life is tested on the fire, our faith in you does not burn up. It is an eternal blood covenant. We thank you for your gracious gift in that way. Uh, we thank you also that your, your blood, your life, changes us that the gospel is fully inclusive. We saw that. Anybody who's thirsty can come. Anybody who's thirsty can come. And we see that it's also exclusive. But realize when you come, I'm going to change you. I'm not going to leave you like you are. I'm going to conform you. Jesus is going to conform us to his very image. So we thank you for both of those promises that your blood accomplishes. Amen. Let's drink together. And then the final verse in this section, I think, ties in well to our topic today. It says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so that's what we're doing every week when we join in this. We're proclaiming Christ's death until he comes. Until he comes. And, and That's what we do as a church, also in our lives. That's what we want to do out in the world, proclaim Christ's death, what it meant, what it means for us, what it can do for everyone until he comes. So let's pray about that, and then uh, we'll conclude. Yeah, Jesus, please, and Father, please help us to really comprehend, to really meditate upon what this bread and this cup represent and what it's done in our lives, what it can do every day in our lives. 
and that we would proclaim your death until you come, that we would always have in our minds that day, the great day of you coming on the clouds, and that we would gather many people with us so that they would be running towards you with open arms rather than calling for mountains to cover them from the wrath of the Lamb, that we would bring in a bunch of people with us into your eternal kingdom and to worship you forever and see you in all that resurrection glory. Pray these things uh, for your honor. We pray them for the good of your people. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.